I'm Kelsey Valletta. This is a show that empowers women to embrace their sexuality. If you're just discovering it, I want to help you find your sexy. And if you're here to celebrate it, thank you so much for sharing your confidence with me. Get ready because things are getting sexual. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you for listening to another episode and taking another opportunity to find your sexy. I have a special guest today. She's a naturopathic doctor, hormone and natural fertility expert here to talk with me about all things related to female sexuality. Dr. Alicia Zenhausen, or more commonly known as Dr. Zen. She has her own practice in Scottsdale called NMD Wellness of Scottsdale. And here she is. Hi, Dr. Zen. Hello. Thank you for having me and such a long intro. I know I have lots of words behind my name. That's why Dr. Zen was just easy, easy to go. I love it. It's, it's so perfect, uh, partly because it's part of your name and <laughs> um, you're a naturopath doctor. So how cool is that? Yes, it was kind of perfect. So my my dad is actually, um, he has his PhD, so he goes by Dr. Z, so I didn't have a choice. So Dr. Zen was the next one up, but it kind of worked perfectly with being a naturopathic doctor. So what made you, just to begin this conversation, um, what made you become interested in being a naturopathic doctor and doing the line of work that you do? So yeah, so originally I'm from Geneva, Switzerland, and I come from a family that immigrated to the United States when I was very young. So um, education was something that was extremely important to all of us. My mother has her PhD in organic chemistry. My father has his PhD in physics. Um, education was really important, and I knew that I wanted to continue my studies, but I also really wanted to help patients. So um, I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. I just didn't know yet what type. It wasn't until I was in college and uh, during the first couple of years, you're able to do some shadowing or volunteering at some of the local hospitals to get some experience to understand if medicine is what you really wanted. And I was fortunate enough to be able to work in a infusion department, so for cancer patients when they were getting chemotherapy. Um, And I remember I was so excited because some of the other classmates that I had they only were able to kind of be at the front desk in um, a big hospital and they didn't really get patient interaction. So I was super excited. Um, But it wasn't until I was there that I realized that I didn't know what I was getting myself into really. Um, And during that experience, I learned so much about bedside manner and about the importance of nurses and the doctors and how that relationship was. But something that I kept seeing was Patients were asking about diet and lifestyle and what they could be doing for their health and their doctors were kind of turning them away or telling them, you know, I don't know. um, So just focus on the treatment and don't worry about the other things. If you can eat anything, you can have a hamburger or sugar or whatever you want. Um, And I knew that this didn't really resonate with how I was raised. Being from Switzerland, natural medicine was actually always part of normal medicine. So I just assumed that that was part of traditional medicine when here, maybe it's not as much. Um, So that's when I really went on a quest to 
really find the medicine that kind of resonated really with me and the way I wanted to practice medicine. So that's when I really turned to naturopathic medicine. Um, but I still had a really big focus on the, on the importance of integrative medicine and being able to have that communication with all providers. So I was fortunate enough in um, school to be able to do medical rotations in all the major hospitals here in the Valley in Arizona, um, which I think was really valuable because I learned how traditional doctors were talking to patients, what their experience was, and also how to communicate with them in a positive way so that we could be on the same side. So that's kind of how I started. And then I started in women's health and fertility because I was seeing patients um, coming in who had gone through multiple miscarriages before they were ever referred from their OBGYN to their endocrinologist or reproductive REI. And I just thought that that was devastating that patients were having to go through three miscarriages before further treatment was done. So that's when I really fell in love with fertility and the things that we can do with hormones and with you know diet and lifestyle and all of these things and really looking at a patient on a holistic approach. Um, I think that was super important. So um, now that's what I do. The majority of my time, I see patients both um, virtually as well as in the office. And I see them for a variety of women-related issues, whether it's PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, if it's preconception, they're planning on getting pregnant. Infertility, they've been trying and haven't been successful yet. Maybe it's postpartum, you know, things change with our bodies. So I'm really happy to be able to work with a variety of women. You do so much. Wow. I'm sitting here <laughs> listening to everything you're saying. And I think that that is incredible that you found something that you're passionate about and you are an incredible resource for these women to go to when they have these questions. And I'm really looking forward to learning about what you have to share with us today. Um, what would you say is one of the top concerns that you see patients for when it comes to sex or sexuality um, concerns? Absolutely. So I say the three main things that I typically see patients for when it comes to sexuality or sex um, health or sexual health in general with women is going to be low libido. So that decrease in sex drive, that's a big one. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what are the different causes? Because it doesn't mean that you have a bad relationship with your significant other or you're just not in the mood. There can actually be a lot of different causes. So I kind of want to talk about that a little later. Um, vaginal dryness can be another one. And then pain with intercourse. So patients are experiencing pain, which is causing some of that low libido, which makes sense, right? if they are in pain, they're not going to want to do it. Uh, so I think that that's kind of the three main, um, you know, concerns that I really see on a daily basis. And I'm curious, these concerns, are they uh, women of all ages or are there typical, um, is there like a certain age range that you see patients come in with these certain concerns more often than others? Great question. So actually, we see this in a variety of different ages. However, I do notice that patients or women who are experiencing menopause are, are like associated with the term low libido. They just know that when they go through menopause, they might lose their sex drive. So they might be the patients that actually come in and tell me that something's wrong. 
where other patients, when it comes to younger patients, whether in your 20s or 30s, they might not actually come in for or say low libido or vaginal dryness. They might just say my hormones are off. And when I really dig a little bit deeper into what does that mean, and I actually say, do you have low libido? Do you have pain with intercourse? They're like, actually, yeah, I do, and it's really bad. So that, I think, is the difference, is that communication or how it's, it's presented. But I think all ages can experience this in different ways. Interesting. So it's almost like if a woman is going through menopause, she just expects that it's normal for her to have low libido. But if she hasn't reached that age yet, it sounds like there's almost some shame in saying that there's low libido or vaginal dryness. And typically it sounds like they're just assuming it's hormone related. Is it, is that related or are they separate issues? So it depends. Low libido, vaginal dryness can be a presentation or a subtle sign your body is giving you that something is off. Yes, it can be hormonal. There can be also the component, is there any trauma that happened in your life? Is there stress? There's a lot of different things that play into our sexual health. And that's why it's really important to consult with your doctor and not just wait it out and say, oh, it's a phase, I, it will get better. It's really important to say, hey, maybe I should get a better look at this. Is there something else that could be bothering me? So what exactly is low libido? And how do you know if that's what you're struggling with? So great question. So low libido really means decrease in sex drive. That could mean something different for everyone. And that's why it's so so much of a vague term, right? So for some women, it can mean not wanting to have sex at all. Some, it can mean not being able to orgasm. Some, it can mean that they can have sex, but don't find pleasure in it. So it really depends on what is normal for that patient. Um, and it's a difference or a variation from their normal. Got it. So really, they just need to go see their doctor and talk to them about it. What would you say is a good way to start that dialogue with, with your doctor if you think that you might be, have low libido? I think it's a great conversation to have with any doctor. I think that finding the right provider that you feel comfortable with will help you a lot um, because we've all been there where we've been to a doctor and we feel uncomfortable of even talking about a cough or, you know, anything, let alone low libido. It's a little bit of an intimate conversation. So making sure that you're connecting with the right provider, whether that's your primary care physician, your OBGYN, or your naturopathic or functional medicine doctor, I think it's really important to find that person that you connect with and really say, this is what I'm experiencing. Is this normal? Um, I'm experiencing low libido. Just even mentioning that I think would be very helpful. Of course, also understanding that vaginal dryness is a symptom that there may be something else going on and understanding and really being more familiar with your own body. Um, I always tell patients, you are the best reflection of what's going on inside. And so until you have a good understanding of yourself and you're open and aware of your body, you won't really know what's wrong or right. And so I have had patients who have caught things way earlier than we've ever been able to catch on a physical exam or on an imaging because they knew when something was wrong. And I think that is a really big take home message is understanding your body and taking that time to better assess what's normal for you. I love that. Yeah. Just making sure that you are in tune with yourself and making sure you're 
you feel healthy and if not speaking up about it and figuring it out right away. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I think too, even something as simple as feeling tired, um, patients will often women, especially after having a baby will say, this is normal. I just had a baby. I'm supposed to be tired. Um, but we catch a lot of autoimmune conditions or thyroid disorders that develop after someone has a baby. And so if you're experiencing any symptom, go see your doctor and talk to them about it. It's really important to connect with a provider that will do the additional testing and really look at your lifestyle, your diet, your sleep, all these things. Your sex life is important and is a vital part of your health. And so they need to be asking those questions as well. I think that's a great, I think that's great advice because like you said, I think we so often write off um, these feelings that we have like feeling tired um, thinking that it's expected and it's normal and we're overreacting. But I mean, what you said is just proof that so often it, it could be something else. Um, so I think that's great advice. Thanks. Yeah. I hope that that helps someone. I just, I really want, um, my whole goal is really to help educate women so they feel empowered about their health. And so that when they go to their doctor, they know what to ask for. They know what labs to ask for. They know what to say and what conversations to have so that they can be feeling better sooner. Yeah. I think it can be very intimidating. Um, especially if you don't know exactly what it is that you need to ask for. So I love that that's your mission. And I so appreciate you sharing all this juicy advice with us. (laughs) Anytime. (laughs) Um, I do want to ask you about birth control and what effect that can have on your body. Absolutely. So birth control is, you know, can be very beneficial. Actually, most women actually go on birth control for non-contraceptive reasons, whether it's acne or heavy menstrual periods. Um, So that can be something to think about as well, because I often, when I'm talking to patients about fertility and getting pregnant, they need to understand what does their cycle look like outside of being on birth control, because that can have a major effect. Mm -hmm. But what birth control is really doing is it's breaking up the connection between your brain and your ovaries so that you don't ovulate and in that regard, don't get pregnant. But that also can affect some of your other hormones. Um, And so that can actually affect your libido. So for some women, when it comes to birth control, and maybe it's a particular type of birth control, maybe there's more estrogen or more progesterone, depending on the different combination um, uh, oral contraceptives or even like IUDs and things like that, um, they can actually cause you to have low libido. And some women don't know this, or they've been on birth control since they were 15 and they thought this was always normal. Um, so that's other, another big um, red flag. If you feel like you're not in the mood, you maybe are experiencing that vaginal dryness, especially if you're noticing that vaginal dryness. Vaginal dryness and menopause can be a signal that you're not getting enough estrogen. And when it comes to birth control, you may have lower estrogens than normal, and that may be the cause of your low libido as well. Interesting. So are there ways to adjust that while staying on the birth control? Or at that point with a patient, would you look at alternative birth control options um, in order to resolve those other issues? So it depends on the patient and where they are in their stage of life, right? There's women who say, yes, I want to get pregnant. 
maybe they don't, or maybe they don't want to ever have kids. So that's a conversation also to have with patients as well. Um, sometimes changing the dosing of the, you know, the birth control is just as good, but sometimes cho choosing maybe a non-hormonal version, um, whether it's condoms or, or there's also IUDs that are non-hormonal. So the Paragard is a copper IUD that doesn't have any hormones at all. Um, so sometimes that can be a better option for maybe a patient who doesn't plan to get pregnant anytime soon or doesn't want children, but also doesn't want to affect their libido. So that can be sometimes a better option for certain patients. Interesting. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, not surprisingly that it's very case by case basis because every woman's different. Everybody's different. I can only imagine that, you know, it takes that, that visit to your doctor and that one-on-one -on -one time to really understand what's going on in your body. Absolutely. And it's very case by case, but it's also, I want women to feel like they have a voice and that they can make that decision, not just be told, yeah, let's just try another birth control. Maybe that's not the right option for you, or maybe you, you do go feel good on birth control. Maybe you don't, or you never have. So being able to vocalize that is going to be much more helpful. Besides birth control, are there other common medications that um, maybe have side effects of low libido or vaginal dryness or any anything else that can affect women's sexual health? Yes. So one of the main ones that we sometimes forget is antidepressants. And antidepressants are given to plenty of women at all stages of life. But uh, SSRIs, so the serotonin um, inhibitors, really, those are the particular ones that seem to be associated with low libido. So an example of that is Lexapro. That's a very common antidepressant that can be associated with low libido. It does not happen with everyone, but it is happening in many more women than I think most people know. Um, so that's a medication to think about when it comes to low libido. Is it something that maybe happened when you started a medication? Um, I see this a lot in postpartum. Many women are being put on antidepressants because of depression, and we're never getting to the root cause, and now they have really low libido, they don't even wanna look at their husband, and sometimes they'll say, I'm just tired, and I had a really long day. And yes, being a mom is very, very difficult, but also it's important to have those intimate relationships. When you have sex with someone, those orgasms help release a hormone known as oxytocin. Oxytocin is our bonding hormone. It's the same hormone that's released when we see our child. So it's really important to bond and be able to bond with your significant other. And so if you're not having intercourse or you know spending time together in that capacity, that also can be a reason why you're maybe separating or not feeling as connected. So um, sex is important. Yes, that I can agree. And not even from a medical <laughs> point of view. <laughs> um, so what else besides low libido um, do you kind of want to want to share any information about? I know that you're all about wanting women to feel empowered in their bodies and make sure that they feel knowledgeable about what's happening and what they can speak up about with their doctors. What else do you want to make sure women are are educated on? Uh, when it comes to low libido, I think it's important to know there are many different causes. And I kind of want to run through a couple of them to give you some perspective that low libido isn't the same for everyone and it doesn't always present the same way either. So when it comes to low libido, it could be that there's vaginal dryness or pain or like pain with intercourse. Um, that can be a reason that you don't want to have sex. 
Um, you could also have emotional trauma or a psychological trauma that, or distress or any kind of trauma like that. That definitely can affect your libido. Pregnancy can affect your libido. Some people say, oh, when I'm pregnant, you know, my libido goes up. For others, it can be the opposite. So hormones can, can interfere or um, communicate differently for each individual patient. Breastfeeding can have a major effect on our libido. Menopause as well, because we're really causing a decrease in that estrogen level, which is causing actually a little bit of atrophy or shrinkage of the vaginal area. So that can become painful for a lot of patients leading to low libido as well. Stress is another huge one. Right now, while we're in quarantine, um, many patients can be experiencing really high levels of stress. So stress can play a major role. Um, and one of the best ways to help with stress is sex. So it's kind of counterintuitive, but it can be something that's really helpful as well. It's also important to evaluate your relationships, right? If you're going to your doctor and you're saying, I'm having a low libido, you need to really have that conversation of how comfortable are you with your partner? Are you being open about what you like and what you want? Um, it's important to have that uh, conversation. And sometimes we recommend um, sex therapists that can be extremely beneficial for couples who maybe feel uncomfortable or don't know how to talk to each other. Um, that can be one reason. So instead of you know throwing hormones or you know a birth control or changing something or a medication or an antidepressant that may make it worse, really getting to that root cause and figuring out what is going on, I think is gonna be the most beneficial for you. How interesting. So that, I was going to ask you if, it, so it sounds like what you're saying is that even just opening up that communication and psychologically visiting that topic with your partner could improve your libido without even having to do anything with your hormones. Absolutely. Hormones are helpful and I use them. Yes, I do. But it's not my first line treatment. We really need to get to the root cause of what's going on for that individual patient or that individual couple. Sometimes I'll have patients who come by themselves and then the next visit I say, you know what, I think it would be beneficial if your partner came. And that gives them time to have that conversation with their partner prior to, but also have an open conversation that I can explain more of the doctor medical side of it um, so that they can understand where their partner is at. Or maybe they are experiencing extreme depression and we need to work through this process to under, have their, their significant other or their partner understand where they are and how they can support the other person. How interesting. I love that, you know, you're basically saying that communication is such a strong tool that can absolutely affect positively or negatively your libido and your sexuality together as a couple, your sexual relationship. Um, I, I just wasn't expecting to hear that. So I love, I love that that's part of what you have to share with us today. I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's really important too to also have an understanding of your body. I think something that I tell my patients a lot is when you are in high school or even social media of all of these, you know, media sources that we have, we're kind of we've kind of vinyl like kind of affect the way that we look at our body. So for example, in your health class in high school, you were probably told, you know, 
just thinking about sex will get you pregnant. And we were kind of ashamed of our bodies or had to be ashamed of what our body did instead of understanding what that actually looks like. And so for a lot of patients, they tell me that, you know, I didn't really know my body. I didn't even know how it worked. I didn't even know my, what the first day of my cycle really meant you know, how things should be or what's normal and what's not. And I think that's a disadvantage. I think that having that open conversation and understanding your body is really important and understanding that your body is constantly giving us signals, whether it's a rash on skin, whether it's a dull skin, your skin, your eyes, your mouth tell you so much about what's going on internally. And the same is true when it comes to vaginal mucus. That's normal and it experiences or changes throughout the month and understanding what that looks like and understanding what's different um, is really valuable. And then breast health is super important as well. So understanding and being comfortable with your body and doing self breast exams at least once a month is going to be beneficial because when you know what your body is like, you'll know when something's off. Uh, so when it comes to breast exams, I always say try to pick the same day of the month every time. Um, this is because, because of hormonal fluctuations in our cycle, things can change and tissue can feel tighter or looser than usual. So it's important to say, okay, the first of every month or the last day of the month or during my period, I always do it. So you have an idea of what's normal during that time. And the minute you're experiencing something different or you feel something, don't hesitate and just go to your doctor and ask, can you check this out? They do this day in and day out and they'll have a better understanding. But in reality, you are also the best advocate for your own body. So understanding that is going to be important as well. Would you mind uh, just sharing what you should be doing if you're doing a self breast exam? Because I know I never learned about that and it was something <laughs> I had to Google um, and because no one had shared it with me. So is, is there... Could you, do you mind just kind of saying what you should be doing? Yes. So you want to make sure that you're looking at every spot of the breast tissue. So this is really important because the breast tissue actually starts right at the armpit and goes all the way to the midline. So that's an important aspect. We often miss around the armpit area, but that's actually where we have a lot of lymph nodes and it can be really helpful to see, is there any tenderness or anything like that? And what you want to do is you can use one or two hands and you really want to make circular movements and you want just make a circular movement and then move a little bit down and then continue that all around the breast on every aspect as well as the nipple. You want to make sure, is there any discharge that's happening? Um, I've had patients who've come in and said, oh, I had a little bit of discharge and they're not breastfeeding. They're not even pregnant. That can be a sign that something hormonally is off. So one of the hormones when it comes to breast milk is prolactin. And if this is elevated, you can have what looks like breast milk coming out of the breast when you're not pregnant. And that can actually impede you from getting pregnant. So all of these things are really helpful. Um, also, if you notice any rashes on the breasts themselves, that can be helpful. It may be something that you're wearing, a perfume that you're wearing, or a lotion or potion, but it could also be an indicator that something internally is going on. So having an evaluation and looking at yourself in the mirror, I know that sounds crazy, or we're not used to taking a look at our own body, um, but understanding what's normal for you. And it is also normal for both sides to not be perfectly identical. That's normal. Um, but understanding that that's kind of how you want to do your breast exam is really having those small kind of circular movements and moving across the breast. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Are of there course. any other things that you can recommend women to do at home um, just to stay on top of their sexual health or is there any other 
exercises they can do to check that check something else on their body? So I think it's really important when it comes to breast exams and really checking that cervical mucus. Um, those are going to be your big indicators when it comes to sexual health. Of course, if things start changing, whether there's a smell that changes or discharge that changes, that can be an indicator that something else is going on as well. So being really um, you know, observant with your body, and I would say the biggest take home is take a moment to go home go completely naked in front of your mirror, no one has to be there, and just look at yourself. And I know not only on a physical aspect, but emotionally and mentally, this can be very challenging for patients. And it's sim a simple exercise, but as you do it for a little bit longer each time, once a week, every couple of weeks, you'll start to get more comfortable with what you are and how beautiful you are because everyone's body is beautiful. And to be able to take a moment and look at something different every single time, you'll start to notice things. And I think that is where the power really comes from when it comes to sexual health. I think that that's very powerful and very beneficial for many reasons and just a great exercise for women to do just to accept and love their bodies for what they are and what they can do. And, you know, a benefit on that is checking themselves to make sure they're, they're healthy. But I love that exercise. What great advice. Yeah, it's really helpful. And I think that we need to be proud of our bodies as women. I think yeah. that, you know, we, we get to, you know, make babies like no one else gets to say that, but us as a women. And even if we choose not to have a baby, our body is capable of so much. We're able to bring life to the world and no one else is able to. So I think that that's super powerful. And I think that understanding that, you know, maybe you had a baby and maybe now you're experiencing low libido. And now when you look at your, you know, yourself in the mirror, you notice like stretch marks or other things and just notice how powerful, you know, you gave birth to a child and really accepting of your body, I think is, is so important. And it isn't always easy. I'm not saying that it's an easy exercise, but it's simple and it can make such a powerful impact on your physical health as well as your emotional health um, and really your, your body image. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I absolutely agree. And everyone listening, that was advice given to you from a doctor. So, you know, <laughs> but I'm that not your doctor, <laughs> so always consult your doctor. But yes, <laughs> make sure your doctor thinks it's a good idea for you to look at yourself naked in the mirror. <laughs> and <laughs> no, I think that that's that's a that's beautiful advice. Um, where can women find you? Where can they make an appointment with you? Let us know how to get in contact. Sure. So I connect um, in two different ways. So you can go directly to my website, which I'll give you all the information, but it's nmdwellnessofscottsdale.com. You can uh, schedule appointments. You can ask questions. You can see frequently asked questions. You can see all my blog posts. I talk all about all kinds of hormonal um, concerns, whether it's PCOS, infertility, low libido. I just wrote an article actually about low libido. So I have plenty of resources there that are free for you. So if you're you know, interested, you can do that as well. Um, I do also offer free 15-minute consults for anyone who's interested and wanting to know how I can help them. I think that every time I jump on a call, it's such a good experience because I really tell patients, I am here for you when you're ready. And I also want to make sure that I'm the right doctor 
for you. I want to have that connection with you uh, so that we can really make a difference in your health. So that's really powerful. And then as well, you can find me on the daily, I guess, uh, on Instagram, like everyone. Um, and I'm at Dr. Zen and MD. So you can find me there. Uh, you can ask me questions. You can kind of see the daily life that I live, my dog, my fiance and everything in between. And you do some great Instagram live videos that I've seen. It, it, have you been doing more of those since we've been in quarantine or is that something you've been doing or plan to keep doing? So I never did a live until I was forced to with quarantine <laughs> and it was definitely stepping outside of my comfort zone. I think that, you know, there's one thing of being, you know, presenting yourself in a certain way on social media and having a little bit of at least, you know, planning things out. And I think doing Instagram live has, you know, I have learned a lot during the experience and I've actually really loved it because I was able to be a little bit more authentic and be able to answer questions. So during quarantine, I've been doing a live every day, Monday through Thursday, um, either at 10 or noon. I always post what days I'm doing them and what topics I'm doing it so you can check it out. Um, but it's been really fun, but I've definitely had some bloopers where I had my camera fall over in the middle of a video and it was an interesting experience. But I think you just got to roll with it and learn that, you know, it's fun and it's a way to connect. And I think that although we are, you know, isolated physically, we don't have to be far in a community. And so one of my words of intention this year in 2020 has been community and how to create that community. So Instagram Live has been a great way to be able to do that. I think it's been a great resource too, because, you know, I've hopped on and watched some of your lives and, you know, we're all, well, I shouldn't say we're all, a lot of us are at home right now. And I can just, I've hopped on and I've just learned so many new little things from you or about things with our bodies that I didn't even know about. Um, so I've just become much more aware. So it's a great little resource, I think, for people to check out. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's free, right? So yeah, like you hop on, hop off. Yeah. It's just nice. Um, and that's something I really wanted to make sure that I created in my practice is I wanted to create free resources. I wanted to help educate women, you know, across the globe so that I could help them have a conversation with their physician so that they felt in control and really felt like they're finally in the driver's seat when it comes to their health. So how would you recommend, so did, can you see patients who do not live in Arizona, you do virtual meetings? So we can so we can start with virtual consultations. Right now with quarantine, all physicians are able to see patients um, via telemedicine. However, we do need to see them in the office um, to establish care. Uh, right now we're able to do a little bit of telemedicine before we actually see them in the office, but you know, normally we are seeing them in the office. Um, the telemedicine option is fabulous for a lot of patients. So I have patients who are here locally um, or that they're from LA and they also have a home here and they'll come for the summer or the you know winter however that is and they're able to come and have a physical exam and everything with me and then they're able to go back to their other home or travel or you know I have patients that travel for work all the time and so this is a great way for them to connect with me really fast they'll get all of their blood work all of their supplements are shipped directly to their house so it makes it a lot easier so um yeah, if anyone has any questions, particularly of like, can you help me or not? Um, I'm happy to answer those and you can send me a DM. I'm happy to um, answer any questions that you have. And if somebody say, you know, doesn't live here and can't come to Arizona to see you, how, how would you recommend them finding 
uh, a naturopathic doctor or maybe someone who, who, who specializes in what you do near them where they live? So I have a great resource um, or resource network. So if you have any questions or you're like, hey, I, I really like what you do. Do you have someone that you recommend? I can happily do that for you. Um, you can also look at the board websites for your state and look for naturopathic physicians or functional medicine doctors. Um, and they will give you a clear list or directory of everything you need to um, look for when it comes to finding a practitioner that is licensed and board certified. Um, so that's really important. So I say that would be a great resource when it comes to fertility or hormone health. I'm happy to assist you and find someone in your area. Awesome. And I will go ahead and link your information to, um, with the podcast information and all the episode information. That way everyone knows where to get in touch with you. Um, and they can find it easily. Perfect. Perfect. Well, this is so much fun. I had a great time talking about sex. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it was very educational and, um, I love that you are, you know, trying to eliminate the shame that is around the topic of anything to do with sexual health, low libido, vaginal dryness. Um, I mean, you, you kind of covered it all, but I, I totally feel like it's something that we've had ingrained in us as women that is uncomfortable to talk about or not appropriate to talk about, or we should feel shy to bring it up to our doctor. Um, so, so thank you so much for normalizing the conversation and educating us all on how we can just empower ourselves and, you know, learn about our bodies and make sure that we're the healthiest version of ourselves that we can be. So I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm always here to help. And that's really my goal is I just want you to feel confident and comfortable so that you can go rule the world. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. And on that note, thank you so much, Dr. Zen. You guys go out there, find your sexy and rule the world. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For more information on Find Your Sexy and for all things podcast related, visit my website, gettingsexual.com. And if you would like to leave a five-star review of the show, I would be so grateful. Actually, I can't think of anything that would be more sexy. 